Hey, this is Katie Sackoff, and you're listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Affirmative. That was definitely an e-ticket. I can't believe all the new gadgets they've got now. For a while, we didn't even have a house phone, not to mention laser discs, high-def TV. You are listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This week on the show... The tricky thing was, was that I'd send it to people and I'd said, you know, I got big ideas for volume one, but I want Ben Templesmith to come on, I want Simon Beasley to come on. And I said, you know, this is my vision. I want it to be like a, a legendary character, like a Judge Dredd. Right. By many different perspectives. And they were they said, great. So, you know, bring the volume one and we'll, <laughs> we'll publish it. <laughs> so I was like, shit. I already sunk <laughs> a lot of money into this volume zero. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. Welcome back to another episode of The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us online at thegbbpodcast.com and Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, all those places at thegbbpodcast. I am Jamie Green. I'm your host. You can find me at The Roarbots everywhere. It is fantastic to have you guys back. Thank you for coming back. One more week. Uh, we are closing in, as hard as it is to believe, on uh, numbered episode number 200, which uh, is just kind of boggles my mind that we've been doing this for this long. But here we are, and uh, thank you for listening and, and keeping us going all this time. This week, I'm just going to get right to it. This week, I had the pleasure of talking to Dan Fogler. You may know Dan from Fanboys, if you remember that film, that the film where they... Uh, he and Jay Baruchel decide to uh, sneak into Skywalker Ranch and steal the rough cut of uh, Episode One, Star Wars Episode One, before it came out. You may know him from the new Fantastic Beasts movies. He plays Jacob Kowalski. He kind of chews through the scenery and see- steals all the scenes. As the, the you hate to say comedy relief because he's more than that, but he is the funniest part of those films. We talked this week. He's got a new graphic novel out. It's called Brooklyn Gladiator. It's out from Chapter House, which is a smaller and more independent publisher. And uh, this is a sort of labor of love for him. This is a story he's been working on for years and years. He actually had a Kickstarter for it. This is now what, what's out there now for you guys to buy is, is he's calling issue zero. It's kind of setting up the world. It, it really is more of an issue one, but in his mind, it's, it's this issue zero that's establishing the world, establishing the character and setting it up for just a lot more storytelling to come. So he created the story. Uh, he wrote it along with Andrew Harrison. He got Tom Hodges to do the art. And the cover is what's really going to be striking to you. The cover is by Glenn Fabry. If you don't know Glenn Fabry, but you know Preacher, the, the, the comic from the 90s, um, and the, the, it's on TV now, but the original version of that, the graphic novels, Glenn Fabry did all of the cover art for that series. And he did the cover for Brooklyn Gladiator. And I mentioned this to to Dan in the interview, but it looks like the cover for Brooklyn Gladiator could have just been an unused preacher cover. It's it just it is so reminiscent of the preacher run, uh, in in, a, in the best ways possible. But Dan, it, you can tell from our conversation this is this is his labor of love at the moment. He has so many plans for where this is going to go. He's got artists who are interested to do future arcs. 
uh, and hopefully this uh, volume zero will sell well enough for for Chapter House to be able to to go forward and move forward and get future books published. We have a great conversation. We talk a lot about Brooklyn Gladiator. We talk a little bit about Fantastic Beasts and his career, his acting career in Hollywood. He tells a really great story toward the end, so stick with it. And this is just, it was just a pleasure talking to him. He's just, he's just a funny guy. He's down to earth and he is just totally connected to uh, this book that he's doing now. And I really do recommend it. Give it a shot. Volume zero, get it on the ground floor. But here, let's just jump right into it. Enough of me jabbering on. Dan Fogler. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. It's uh, awesome to have you. Oh, thank you for for having me, man. Uh, We are going to be talking a little bit about the new book, Brooklyn Gladiator. Um, I know that you've been working on this for several years. This has been a long time coming for you. Um, What's interesting to me is that you started this book way before the current administration took over. Um, So how often did you have like this sense of deja vu as you were looking from the story that you were writing, thinking that it was total fiction, and then like looking to the news and back and then just wondering which was which. Yeah, it, it got, um, it got tricky, uh, as we got closer to the recent election and I was like, Oh my God, uh, <laughs> this is very, this is, this is very close to home because then it became about, um, cause I didn't think, I think a lot of people didn't think that he was going to win. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, so that to me was sci-fi. That to me was like, yeah, yeah. If he won, that would be like the beginning of uh, Running Man or something. Where, right. Uh, the you know insane billionaire <laughs> takes control of the country and and then turns it into a, a reality show for for shits and giggles. <laughs> so I, I I thought that like, well. Okay, let's turn this. That's never going to happen. So yeah, of course, that's such a crazy <laughs> thought. We're not even going to entertain it. I know. So then I was like, okay, let's turn the dial up on that. Let's say he does win, and and he builds the wall, and then um, and World War Three begins, and you know, and, and everything goes to hell in a handbasket, and the wall just keeps getting higher and higher, and it becomes patriotic to you know give over your possessions to the building of the wall you know it's something it's like a there's like a world war ii kind of fervor you know yeah yeah and it's like and and people are being shipped out of the country undesirables you know and, and suddenly um but people are in 2033 brooklyn gladiator people are uh they're apathetic they're all the rights been taken away but they don't give a shit because they've been given like super drugs and the best tech and, and, uh, to just keep them totally occupied and cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but then you have our main character, John Miller, who, um, has rejected all of it. It's kind of like the Neo in our, in our story sure. where he's, he just senses that something's not right. Like they're being fed overly redacted information. They have no idea what's going on behind the walls. He seems to be the only one who cares about it. And um, and it's because of the curiosity and his rejection of all of the, 
for drugs and everything that, that um, yeah. he is essentially, you know, clean and he, he, he has, um, you know, his Kundalini, his, his uh, chakras are aligned and he starts to have this very uh, psychic awakening. Yeah. And it's a lot like Akira in that way. Did you, did you read it? I have, yes. Yeah. So what did, what did you think, man? What do you, what do you think about the, you know, uh, volume zero is really an introduction to the universe. So is this a universe that you think you'd want to go further down the rabbit hole? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think you, it's introductions are also always kind of tricky. Like when you're, when you're establishing a new world that the readers don't already know. I mean, it's not like we're going into Gotham or Metropolis where we have all these years of history. So setting up this new world with new characters and, and, not just the new world, but you're setting up sort of like this alt history of the future. Um, and it's right. absolutely, you know, you lay the groundwork for some really intriguing stuff. You know, this isn't just like a John McClane character. This is like a John McClane character with some weird superpower that we don't really understand quite yet. So absolutely, I think Yeah, it, like imagine if, uh, exactly, it's like imagine if John McClane suddenly had blossoming like Jedi. Exactly, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, I mean, yeah. I wanted to ask you, like, what's, so what's up with this being a volume zero? I mean, what, what led to that? Uh, making volume zero, it was literally to, um, it was my way of, of creating something tangible that I can put on a publisher's desk and say, hey, you know, what do you think about this? Do you yeah. want to, do you want to help fund, uh, volume one, essentially? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I was showing this thing around that I, you know, we did a Kickstarter and right. um, it, was, it was great. It was, it was, uh, everything worked out and we got that five zero. And, uh, so I was sending that around to people and, um, the tricky thing was, was that I'd send that to people and say, oh, this is like I'm sending the image or I send, you know, all, all the places that you think. Yeah. Uh, would be interested in, in, in this. And, and I said, you know, I got big ideas for volume one. We're going to get, uh, well, I want Ben Templesmith to come on. I want Simon Beasley to come on. I mm -hmm. want, you know, um, I, I really love, uh, Juan, uh, Jose Rip or Ripe or however he says last name. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I, and I said, you know, this is my vision. I want it to be like a, a legendary character, like a Judge Dredd. Right. by many different perspectives, you know, and, um, and they were saying, they said, great, so, you know, bring the volume one and we'll fucking, we'll publish it. <laughs> so I was like, shit, I already sunk a lot of money into this volume zero. And then, uh, so, so basically, Jay Baruchel, who's a wonderful friend of mine, said, hey, I'm, I am, uh, becoming a large part of Chapter House and, uh, they, want to know if um, you have any projects you want to bring on. And uh, so Brooklyn Gladiator really Brooklyn Gladiator really spoke to him because John escapes from New York, heads back home to Toronto. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've been talking to Jay about this for a long time, picking his brain about Canada. And, uh, and I just want to make it authentic. 
Yeah, because Chapter House, uh, Chapter House is a. I mean, they're a they're a Canadian publisher, but they they're like the yeah. home they're the home to Captain Canuck, and you know they're like right. their their whole business model is basically like Canadian storytelling. So once it landed with them, did you have to refine the story to sort of make Canada a larger player, or was that always where you knew the story was going to go? I knew it was always going to head there. A huge chunk of the story is him getting out of America and finding out that the rest of the world is very much mired in uh, a very high-tech World War III that America is oblivious to, and it's at America's doorstep. So I always knew it was a huge part of the story was going to take place there, and that eventually he would come back to America and uh, try to free America, whether they wanted to be free or not. Mm. And, uh, and, um, so when I stepped into Chapter House, um, body, their, uh, their editor read it and was like, man, this is great. I love this. Let's, let's print this. Yeah. So, so volume zero is, is literally the, the preview, um, uh, to this universe that I was, pitching around to see if people were interested and now it's on shelves which nice. is like an, an incredible thing after a long journey of it being created sure um, yeah man so, so I'm I'm excited I got Simon Beasley uh, he's working on volume one and I, I'm such a huge fan of his and as the pages are coming in uh, um, you know volume one will be here sooner than then uh, we mm-hmm. know it, and um, <laughs> onward and upward uh, from there. Yeah, so you got um, you got Glenn Fabry to do the cover, and this yeah. is this is not meant as criticism at all. It's quite the opposite, but it looks like that art looks like it could have just been unused art from Preacher. Like it's it's just straight out of Preacher. How did he yeah. come? How did he come on board? Like how did you grab him? Wow, I take that as a huge compliment. You should. It was that's meant a, as such. <laughs> that's ex- that's exactly how he came on board. I. I was a huge fan of the preacher books. And you know, when you're in a situation <laughs> where your buddy's Jay Baruchel, and, yeah. you know, and, and you, you've done some movies and you know, some, you know, people like Kevin Smith and, uh, and you, and you have, uh, I, I had, you know, uh, Moon Lake. I did Archaea, uh, did my Moon Lake books. So I had a little bit of, uh, I, I could, I just emailed him. Nice. And I said, "Hey, man, this is me. <laughs> I've been a fan since I was like a kid, <laughs> and uh, I would just be over the moon if you did the cover for my book." And he said, "Fuck yeah, why not?" And, awesome. And, uh, he, he loved the premise, and the same thing with with Simon Beasley. I basically reached out to him with a little segue from some friends, and and uh, I said, uh, "Hey, man, what?" First, I said, "You want to do a cover?" And he did what is now the back cover of, uh, volume zero. Uh-huh. And he said, man, he said, man, that was a lot of fun. And I said, well, um, <laughs> I got more. <laughs> do you, you want to do the rest of it? I mean, do you want to do the whole thing? And he was like, yeah, let me think about it. Yes, I'll do it. And I was like, holy shit. Nice. Because it's so, it's so right up his alley. I mean, both of these guys looked at the, the material and said, holy shit, this is an homage to, to everything we grew up loving. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And, yeah, so uh, I, I'm I'm like a kid in a candy store, 
having these people involved with my book, it's like, like, what, like if you, if you had, if you were in the same situation, when you do the same thing, you have the opportunity, like oh, reach out yeah. to your, to your heroes, you know? Hell yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, what do you, what do you have to lose really? You know, I mean, like, what's the harm in asking? And when they say yes, it's like, well, that's awesome. I really wasn't expecting it. And then, and then you just makes it so much better. I know it's, and now like to be able to approach other artists who are my favorites. Yeah. I can now say, you know, worked with Glenn's, uh, Fireman, sure. you know, gonna work with, uh, Temple Smith, uh, nice, uh, coming up and, to, on another project. So it's, it's great. It's nice. really, I'm, I'm very happy. How, how big is the story that you have to tell? It's gigantic. <laughs> It's it's epic. It's my Star Wars, man. He goes from John Miller um, starts out his journey. He starts out as basically a you know a, a bruiser, like he said, John McClane, and he starts to have this little uh, psychic awakening. And he's more like a when you first meet him, he's like a Robin Hood, you know. He's mm-hmm. like um, kind of breaking the law, um, but uh, doing it for the right reasons and. Um, and then when he gets out of out of America, he really his uh, abilities really they start to grow out of his control. And, uh, so he becomes a lot like um, it's a lot like the Akira story where you mm-hmm. have all these blossoming psychics that are uh, uh, coming through the uh, the evolutionary chain, pushing us forward and. and um, so he's out a whole new world where he has to uh, uh, learn to control his abilities. He, so he goes from basically, you know, uh, MMA fighting Robin Hood to like Jedi prophet, uh, hope, uh, last hope and, and savior of the human race. Yeah. It's, it's huge. It's like a biblical. And I, and so it's several volumes into the future. And then, uh, and I've written, uh, like over the course of the time of trying to get this published, I, I've had a lot of time to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I've, I've written prequels, um, which are in the works as well. Nice. Um, and so yeah, man, it's, it's, it's my, uh, epic saga. Yeah. I, I, I have to ask since you, I mean, you come from, from film in Hollywood. If this were to be turned into film, you you must have done your dream casting in your head. So who's John Miller for you? Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I always imagined it as like uh, um, kind of like an epic Netflix series. It's yeah. Like, um, but I, I guess that, you know, I guess it could be just like huge, massive. I would have. Uh, who would I have if I had a dream cast? If I had a time machine, yeah, I would cast. Uh, I would cast a young Bruce Willis. Okay. And then uh, I would want like Terry Gilliam to direct it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can totally see that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then, uh, uh, but nowadays it would probably be like. Uh, I don't know. They'd probably end up casting like Vin Diesel or something. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be fine. He'd be I fine. I could see it. I could see it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, and uh, 
and uh, yeah, they're yeah. really cool to have. Like, uh, yeah, uh, Russo brothers directed. But uh, anyway, so uh, the so that's my answer. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, dystopian stories have a long history, but they're they're kind of not as outrageous as they once were. At least they don't feel like it living in 2018. Um, yeah. What's the appeal for you in that kind of a story? You know, like when it seems like a story like this, if, we, if we're not careful, it could become a documentary someday, you know, something along those lines. So what's the yeah, appeal of, of telling that? Yeah, exactly. It's like for you as a storyteller, what, what appeals to you? Well, it speaks to two levels of my consciousness. The first level is I'm just paying homage to, to all the things I grew up loving, like, yeah. you know, uh, Blade Runner and, uh, Mad Max and, uh, and, you know, Escape from New York, which all happen to be like, you know, fun sci-fi, uh, fantasy, um, uh, escapist reality. Uh, but, uh, escape, uh, you know, escapist, uh, you know, possible reality that would never come to be. You know, I grew up on Schwarzenegger, and uh, and I grew up like like the like 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 for example, I said Bruce Willis and Terry Gilliam. You got Twelve Monkeys. Sure. You know, I so and these are all dark things um, that play with the dark dark themes that play with the uh, our our nightmares. You mm-hmm. know. Um, and then as I got older, and I realized that I have a voice in this uh, as an actor and as a writer and as a podcaster, I talk about uh, all sorts of stuff on my podcast, mm-hmm. not just m- movies, you know. We talk about everything because I feel like it's important um, to put up a mirror to the to society like we we it is it is our job as artists and you and, and it's it's everywhere it's on every channel right you know you see you see <clears throat> artists um commenting on commenting on the current state of affairs and um so i thought man our current state of affairs feels a lot like uh, science fiction mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know from from the administration on down, on, on up to the weather, and uh, you know, <laughs> on on down to on the chemical level to what is happening to us as a species, and um, and to the uh, environment and to the earth. So on every fucking spectrum, it feels like we're living in a in the beginning of a sci-fi movie. You know, <laughs> AI is like AI this to fucking clone that, and you know, it's fucking. Every single day, and almost uh, World War Three here, and uh, and natural disaster over there. So, um, and I also became a huge fan of conspiracy, just trying to figure out, just trying to get another perspective about what the hell is going on and who's yeah. running things. And um, so, I my cathartic way of dealing with that is putting it into my art. So that's Brooklyn Gladiator and Moon Lake. You know, uh, Moon Lake was first my kind of uh, fun jaunt, little uh, down, you know, the conspiracy lane, fun, you know, tales of uh, weirdness. 
a Brooklyn Gladiator is, oh, man, it's just weird now. Yeah. And, uh, if, we're, <laughs> if we're not careful, it's going to turn into Brooklyn Gladiator. Yeah, for sure. If, yeah. Uh, if, if comics paid as well as Hollywood if they you know if they were equal where would you be would you be fully into into storytelling graphic novels or would you still want to be in the acting sphere wow um both of those questions are the same thing because they're so hard to make any money at either of them yeah like like, like i'm in for in, in acting in the acting world i'm in such a percentage and the percentage of a small percentage mm-hmm. of uh of a group <laughs> that's actually able to like have a job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and get paid at it. Like, <laughs> you know, so it, it's the odds, it's like winning the lottery. And, um, so you have to go into it because you can't do anything else or you, you, you have to go into it because you'll fucking die. If you don't like mm-hmm. you'll, you'll literally like there's, there's like a, something in your stomach that needs to be, fire that needs to be fed i mean i know it sounds very you no, you're not the first person to have said something similar like if you know this is whatever industry that they're in whether it's writing or or acting or 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 voice acting for animation they say you know don't do this unless it's something like you instinctually feel you need to do like you can't possibly live without it yeah because it's it's hard man yeah it's a long it's a long marathon yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Even when it's going well, it just, it, the, the gauntlet just becomes, uh, it's just more and more responsibility, more and more energy output. Yeah. You just gotta be, you just gotta be ready for the long haul, you know, yeah. and never, never give up. Never give so up. That, I read that um, when you auditioned for Fantastic Beasts, you basically cosplayed your audition. You went in as costume, in costume as Jacob. Um, Is that something that you usually do, or was that a special thing for that role? Um, I find, I found that when I was auditioning uh, early on, that, and this is something that I learned when I read. De Niro's one of I think it was one of De Niro's uh, biographies mm-hmm. is when he was auditioning as a young actor, his apartment was just a bed and just piles and piles of costumes, clothes, shit really? that he would pick up as possible. Because even if you just bring in a hat, even if you just bring in just the slightest little thing, uh, I found that when I did that, I would always get the job. I would always, like every I. I don't know why I didn't do it all the time. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just kind of a, but what, but the thing was, I really should have. But uh, the few jobs that I did where I wore, had a costume, a couple commercials early on, uh, if I had like a gasoline attendance outfit from like Halloween or something, yeah, and, and I wore that, I would get the job. It was a gas guy. Like it was like it was really weird. Like yeah. the the person behind the desk. They're either seeing that you're going the extra mile to get the job, so they, they want to hire you, and B, um, they see, they they you know, or they just have no imagination, and they're like, wait a minute, this guy looks like a gap. <laughs> you know, you perfect. Know, this guy is perfect. You know, casting. So it's just like it's it's just a psychological thing. So yeah. when I was and and I had an audition for. 
you know, a long time. Like the auditions are kind of, you know, there's in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm usually putting stuff on tape and sending that shit out. And right. So, so when you do a in-person audition, I, you want to do the best performance to a completed performance as possible because it may be the last time you ever fucking, you know, uh, do it. Yeah. You, know, you, yeah, yeah. you want it to just be a performance. Like, this is how I would do this character. Here you go. So I, I, on the way there, um, I was walking to the audition and I looked over. I was on, uh, I think I was like near Chinatown or something. And I looked over and I saw a little thrift store and I saw this crazy patchwork hat. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> that, it just, it, it's a sign. It just said, it just said like, that period to me and I was like man that's gonna put me right fucking character yeah and uh so I bought the hat I had these like suspenders on I thought that kind of felt like I was in character but I had the suspenders and I had these like crazy uh like cut off uh chaplain gloves <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like this will it was really just because I thought it would help me get to that time period yeah and uh and it, I, I think it paid off. Like they, it was totally not the right look. But I think if I just walked in there, and I looked like Chewbacca, like <laughs> how I usually look, you know, like my, my hair was down to my shoulders, and I had like a big ass. I looked like a like a you know like a an Hell's Angel, you know, yeah. guy. like a, you know like walking in. Like if, I feel like if I didn't have the hat, if I didn't have the, those little pieces, that maybe they wouldn't have been able to see past it uh, right away. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I got, I, so, you know, every time I come back, I bring the fucking, I can't, I bring that stupid costume. And then finally, and finally I brought, uh, it was like, like the final screen test was, I didn't know what the final screen test, but I went to the screen test and of course I, I was like, okay, I gotta bring the hat and the stupid gloves. You know, I gotta do that. <laughs> so I brought, so I brought the costume and, and wonderful David Yates says to me like halfway through my first, I'm, I'm, I'm working with Eddie, uh-huh. and he walks up. He's like, he's like, it's wonderful. There's something, there's something I, I'd love for you to do for me, Dad. And I was like, what? He's like, get rid of this stupid gloves and the hat. <laughs> <laughs> so he, didn't, he didn't say stupid, but he was like, get rid of, get, just get rid of, get rid of the costume, and let's just do it with you. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay, and you know, and I felt like, like I took everything off, you know, the the, the little pieces, the gloves, and the and the suspenders and, but I had to, I, for some reason I needed to hold the hat, like holding that hat really made me feel like I was in character. It was out of, it was out of frame, but I just held it down you know, oh, by my side. That's amazing. And I felt like, yeah. And, um, I think it's those little things like, uh, little tricks that yeah. you pick up just because someone said like there, there is a, there is, it's not for everybody, you know? Sometimes people like don't ever fucking bring a prop in. Yeah. Like don't don't bring props unless it's like your uh, water that you can you know use. Yeah. Uh, like that, I do not recommend that. But if you have, if there's something like a a piece of costume or something, not too crazy, I, I'd strongly recommend bringing it if it if it puts you in character because it's you're just going to give your best performance that way. Right. Absolutely. 
Oh, that's an amazing story. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> sure, man. Um, I know, I know, I ran out of time with you. I just have one more question that I want to ask you before I let you go. Yeah, what bro. What was the point? At what point, I guess, did you feel like you you really made it in in, in your career? Was it when you won a Tony or when you were turned into a Funko Pop? Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I I feel like I definitely won the lottery. Yeah, there were certain moments where surreal fucking moments where oh shit my uh, my dream my dreams just came true yeah you know? yeah and so you have enough of those where you're just like shit i'm gonna okay i guess uh, i can manifest some stuff here let's, uh, <laughs> let's uh, try to dream bigger you know yeah. and uh, so that's exactly where fantastic beast came out of i, I, I wished on a star for that um uh literally i was i was just like you know, I got my second daughter coming and I need a miracle here. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so then Fantastic Beasts happened. So, um, yeah, I, I, but I, but I, but in my heart, I feel like I got a long way to go. Like, uh, yeah. these, these are, these are stepping stones. Yeah. I, um, for hopefully, knock on wood, a, a long, long career. I really want to, I really want to just keep, creating creating for a long time and there you have it i love love that story he told about auditioning for fantastic beasts it's all about the hat it's all about the the clothes that he wears and the little not props but the the costume that he uses to get into character um i thought that was just a great insight into his creative process and how he was able to channel the character of jacob kowalski but in his way and be able to land it and i think that it was just some great tidbits in there if you are an actor or just not even in any acting career but if you're just trying to find a break or get into whatever your industry might be your creative industry you need to find that thing that you connect with that helps you connect to your art and even if even if the director or or a famous actor tells you, you know, hey, you really don't need that hat. Take it off. Don't let it go. If that's what helps you connect to what it is that you're trying to do, keep it close. Keep it inside of you so you that that's that's what you use as fuel. And so that just great. Dan Fogler. It was a great conversation. Brooklyn Gladiator Chapter House. Check it out. You can get it everywhere. Amazon Chapter House bookstores. They're still around, I think. But uh, yeah, so next week we're going to have more. We're closing in on 200. And uh, I promise these are not all going to be just me. We have some great guests coming through. We've got some great co-hosts coming through. Stick around. Hit subscribe. Come back week after week. We love having you. Hit me up on Twitter or Facebook. You can find the show at The GBB Podcast. You can find me at The Roarbots. Let me know what you like to hear. Let me know who you like to hear. Let me know if there's somebody specific you'd like to hear on the show. I will do everything in my power to get them on. And until then, stay cool. It's summer out there. And uh, at least where I am, it's super humid. So I'm just going to go sit in the air conditioning and relax. <laughs> Take care, guys. Take care.